0: Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and it is time for week five of the NFL season. So we're going to be talking about the slate, picking out our favorite games today. And to help us do that, of course, as always, the Oracle himself, Matt Friedman, joins us. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Ben Brown, head of predictive analysis at PFF, joins the show. Ben, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: well, guys. You know, I I enjoy, you know, the Betting Pros content uh, podcast. I definitely appreciate you guys uh, having me on to chat up a little uh, sports betting action for week five. So appreciate you guys having me have here.
0: I'm excited. We're going to have plenty of games to get to here. We're going to have some interesting disagreements, some interesting agreements and some good takes. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it is that you do. What is the day in the life of someone running predictive analysis here, especially for a group like PFF? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is. uh, I would say every single day is different. Of course, we have, you know, off season and in season, I do think probably changes, you know, dramatically uh, for you guys as well. But uh, a lot of like our research type projects, tools that we're trying to build, everything else kind of happens in the off season. And then we basically, you know, kind of try and keep the lights on. So like every Monday morning, I'll wake up, we have like this, what we call like a metrics, metrics package, which essentially takes all of PFF data, Uh, And kind of mushes it together and does a lot of our uh, output top down models that we kind of use in a lot of our uh, prediction based models so things like you know PFF Green Line, NCA Green Line or player props tool, we all we train all those models on the on the latest data every single week and then kind of have you know a prediction basis for when, uh, you know, bets and player props and all these other sorts of things kind of come in. So that's you know, in season is much more uh reaction. I do, you know, write some content as well, uh, do do podcasts. But then the off season is honestly, uh, the time that I enjoy, and it's when we get to kind of you know, innovate, look at new, uh, you know, product offerings and those sorts of things, see what the market is you know, directionally moving, like to actually try and make and improve our processes and and our predictions. So uh, I like that we have uh, come up with this uh, sort of like play by play simulation that we are don't fully have uh, 100% out there for public facing folks, but I am doing a lot of like accuracy type metrics on that through the first four weeks of the season, at least seeing like how close we are to betting market expectation, how close we are to results and how well we're actually performing. Uh, in in some back testing characteristics for that particular model that we're kind of trying to bring to the public so it's it's uh it's it's changing every single day it's very fast paced uh but i you know i enjoy it and i love it and i you know obviously love to be you know involved in the sports betting community i do think that it's you know exactly where i do and want to be and belong so um yeah it's 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 fun that's for sure
0: now, we, we certainly do know that there are so many practical applications for sports bettors who want to be able to use PFF data when it comes to building their own models out. And there was that whole Twitter kerfuffle a week or so ago where uh, with the accusation. I don't remember who it was that was making it, but someone talking about how agents will pay for PFF grades. Now, we're not going to talk about that because obviously it's BS. What I want to talk to you about with it is the fact that teams do pay for PFF information and data. What Can you tell us anything about some of the ways that NFL teams are using what you guys do and using these models to, in their evaluation of players?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I'm totally fine speaking to it. It was Jason Kelly, Kelsey and the Travis yeah. Kelsey podcast. And it was something to do with, you know, agents, uh, you, you know, paying PFF in order to kind of boost the guys, guys grade. And, you know, it's obviously like, that's just not how uh, you, the process would ever work or anything like that. But we do have kind of separate business units now. So I am very much on the the consumer side of PFF, you know, the public facing, front facing, the website and everything else. And then we have uh, a, a soccer vertical as well, where we're kind of trying to do some of these advanced stats, uh, data gathering, uh, you, you know, the play by play type data for clubs, uh, specifically in like the Premier League. Me- Premier League, but also the MLS. Uh, and then we have like this B2B side of PFF, and they are very much focused on, you know, helping NFL teams make correct decisions in basically every facet that we can possibly think of. So we have, uh, you know, a product called Ultimate, which, um, you know, is like a kind of behind the scenes way of Querying and looking up various PFF type stats, and then we also have what's called this like IQ, um, IQ component of it, uh, which is specific to teams. It does a lot of things with our PFF WAR metric and kind of trying to understand, you know, what is the what is the best way for teams to allocate their salary dollars correctly to what positions, what guys can kind of. Uh, you know, maybe take on similar approaches from a team building perspective, if they do lose one guy in free agency, maybe who would be somebody that can at least fill that role? Uh, and what should his and what should his actual cost be? So we do have, you know, I, I think at least some sort of contract with all 32 NFL teams, uh, a lot of the value I think we provide now is especially at the college football level, uh, with with teams specifically, they just don't, you know, at, at the NCAA level, they just don't have I would say in some of the ways, the resources, uh, or there's just probably not enough data science type people to really build out, uh, you know, the analytics components for every single NCAA team. So I think we get, you know, a lot of those teams that uh, maybe then don't really need to have a really strong analytics staff or or multiple staff people. They can just go in, use, you know, the PFF Ultimate information, use the IQ information, uh, kind of try and look at some similarities between players for things that they, you know, have available and like the transfer portal and everything else. And and that is kind of, you know, definitely uh, probably, I don't know if it's the bigger revenue driver for PFF, but it's definitely the spot where, you know, that was kind of where we first started off Uh, as far as a focus, and it is very much the focus of, you know, that specific B2B side still, which I have, I have no real, uh, a part in whatsoever actually haven't really, uh, during my entire time at PFF, but, uh, it definitely is like an interesting component of, you know, the overall structure in which we work under.
2: Ben, you mentioned uh, earlier PFF Green Line, and you know we're going to talk about some of these Week Five games in, in just a little bit. But my question is, uh, when PFF Green Line is wrong, is it your fault? Is it George Tahuri? I'm trying to figure out who to blame. Uh, Kevin Cole, I'm sure could could take some of the blame too. But uh, yeah. what what goes into to some of the the projections that uh, that you guys come up with for games?
1: Yeah, definitely, and it is a great question. I think at this time i would unfortunately be the most responsible for every uh every output that greenline has which you know it, it's it's i and i know you, you know you guys both face this as well but it is i would say like i bet you know a certain amount of dollars on every single you know every single bet that i make throughout the week i care so much more about like our model predictions yeah. and my front facing content to do well more so than any dollar amount that I bet on the, uh, on the actual games, because like, it's more so like your, I don't, I don't know what the exact word, I'm kind of losing it, but it's like, it's very much like who you are in a way are your yeah. picks. And it's, it's, it, and it's, it's kind of tough to separate, but going back to the initial question, like we very much have, you know, PFF focused play by play type grades folded in. I know we you know, this is probably another, you know, sensitive area that PFF has dealt with this year, but like, you know, specifically our zero to a hundred grades and how we kind of transform that play-by-play data to this zero to a hundred scale every single week can, can occasionally be, you know, a little bit off from like, you know, the public perception or whatever, but we take certain ways of, um, you know, transfer adjusting for that like context, adjusting for opponent strength and everything else. And we arrive at uh, kind of a, a unique view of every single facet that an NFL team has. We fold that in, we fold in various like rest, uh, rest considerations, uh, some overall team strength type metrics as well. Um, and then you know, a few other factors, coaching sort of situations, how well that coach has been performing previously. We do a fold in, you know, some continuity aspects as far as, you know, is is it a new head coach? Is it a new offensive coordinator? What is the offensive line situation like and all those things? So kind of try and take that all together and then you know, essentially do a prediction. Uh, for how well that's going to perform against you know the spread total and money line, and we do you know uh, do a little bit of regression to the market once we actually have those numbers, uh, just to kind of a, you know align everything together. But that's that's our current approach from a green line perspective is kind of taking that you know top down method uh, and applying a lot of the things that we think are at least valuable uh, and are helpful in kind of like predicting where the spread should actually be. So that's that's generally the approach we haven't. You know, um it's been it's been okay. I think we do better at a college level for sure, but that is you know one of the reasons why we are continuing to try to develop new products that are gonna be you know more successful at predicting uh, just how these games are actually gonna play out.
0: Now, guys, let's head on into some NFL games and actually predict how some of them are going to play out for this weekend. And before we do that, I want to remind you real quick, you can head on over to BetMGM right now, BetMGM.com. Sign up for an account today to make your bets. And your first bet, if you use the promo code BETTINGPROS, you'll get a $1,000 risk-free bet to get yourself started off. And Matt, if you wanted to enter the promo code BETTINGPROS and have a $1,000 risk-free bet, would you be using it on your first game here? And that is the Washington Commanders getting Two and a half, although really now our friends at BetMGM have this game down to one and a half. You can still find a two and a half somewhere if you like the commander side of this. But the Titans on the road here laying one and a half points right now. What are you thinking in this one, Matt?
2: Yeah, it's a disgusting game. Uh I I first bet this at plus 3. Shout out me with the sweet closing line value. Uh All guaranteed but, <laughs> Titans are winning now. Yeah, no, I I know, I know. guaranteed they're winning anyway. This is this is such a disgusting bet to make. Um but, you know, I I do have this uh you know, just based on my numbers, I do have this at 0.25 uh you know, and so for the for the commanders to be getting two and a half, uh, you can still get the two and a half a fan one and a half everywhere else. Um, you know, for them still to be getting that, uh, I think there's value there. And you know, if you look at some of the trends, Mike Vrabel as a head coach, 15-21 and one against the spread as a favorite, nine and fourteen against the spread, following multiple wins in a row. And the commanders, I think they are in a uh a generally Good spot and that home underdogs are 82, 47, and seven against the spread off of a three-game losing streak. And uh, the teams that happen to go one and three to open the year, who are home underdogs in week five, they are 16, 10, and one against the spread. But you know, looking at kind of the the big picture matchups for this game, uh, I think it comes down to the commanders' defensive line against the Titans offensive line. And even though the commanders haven't had Edge Chase Young, who I think, you know, even with the injuries. still end up being a very good addition to this team when he comes back the commander's defense is open this season uh, they're number nine in adjusted sack rate and they are top eight in every key rushing efficiency metric rush epa rush success rate uh rush dvoa adjusted line yards they're top eight in all of them and you compare that to the titans offense which is not even average in adjusted sack rate or any rushing efficiency metric and in the fantasy pros unit power rankings we see the commander's defensive line as having a significant edge over the Titans offensive line. We have this defensive line at number 14. That feels, honestly, I think that's a little bit low, but I I think that that's fine. Like that's within the range. We have the Titans offensive line at number 27, you know, like they are dealing with significant injuries and, you know, uh, for for the, the, uh, you know, I just, I think for the Titans, you could have Ryan Tannehill under pressure for a lot of the game. Uh, Derrick Henry, I think he could struggle to find open running lanes just because of the inefficiency of that offensive line. So, And in the preseason market, this was commanders uh, favored by half a point. And my projection is still pretty close to that. I don't think they should be favored, but I don't think they should be close to a, uh, a field goal in terms of uh, being an underdog here. So I do see value on this, even though like it's a disgusting bet. I freely admit that.
0: Well, I mean, that's your favorite kind of game is the wet blanket, disgusting kind of yep. game. So, of course, this is what you're thinking. Ben, are you with Matt or are you in some disagreement here? I mean,
1: I'm a lot more convinced of the of Washington's side now that I listen to Matt. But I have been uh, painfully betting Washington the past two weeks, kind of after their week one uh, impressive performance. Uh, and I promised myself this was at least one spot where I could knock it on Washington's side. I mean, I definitely agree with Matt. We, From PFF's perspective, we have... Uh, Tennessee with like the 29th best uh, pass blocking grade to start this season. Uh, Washington's like eighth overall in our pressure rate percentage per dropback. So, and that specific matchup is going to be uh, kind of deciding the game. Now, my, 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 the other side of the coin that I kind of see is Tennessee has been really good from, uh, in EPA pers- perspective when they've had scripted plays kind of to start of the game they've got off to really good starting points so I do expect them to potentially be playing from ahead here I'm hoping for you know an early touchdown type situation uh, and if that happens I do think they could ride uh, Derrick Henry to the point where they are going to get this victory uh, and maybe cover the spread but I'm with Matt I think you know the, the the plus three for Washington was definitely the correct price I do think moving under a field goal differential uh, I probably still lean at Tennessee's side I would like to see um you know the injury situation with Washington wide receivers I think Jahan Dotson's probably on the wrong side of questionable right now it sounds like uh Curtis Samos probably going to be on the right side of questionable uh so I do think if, if you know one of them is able to go that obviously helps a little bit but if both those guys are out uh I think it's going to be you know it could be a pretty convincing win for Tennessee so I'm I'm either avoiding it or uh or riding with Tennessee on this one so this will be the only time I go opposite Matt though I promise you guys that
0: Above three and a half, I'm with you then. I'm um, I'm not looking to lay Tennessee three and a half, but now that it's down to one and a half, and if I can continue to drop here, obviously we've already hit past that. We've already crossed the three. We're good for me. As Kelly Stewart said on the show, quoting Todd Furman a few weeks ago, you don't get rich laying points on the road. But I think I have to lay one and a half here. I mean, the Massey Peabody ratings have Tennessee a full six points better than Washington here. Ninth versus 29th in their ratings for the season. I I think this is just a case of good football, bad football. And Carson Wentz and calculated risk taker Ron are still bad football. And I think the Titans can at least, you at least have Derrick Henry, but you also just have a better team overall. I don't have much faith in the commanders at this point in the season. One and a half is the right price for me to take the Titans here, guys. But the next game up, this one is probably my favorite game of the week here. The Jets are taking on the Dolphins and Teddy Bridgewater filling in for Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback here. The Jets, of course, coming off the win over Kenny Pickett and the Steelers last week. They go home now and I feel like this is the second time in a row that we've seen this now where the Jets get a good win win on the road at the last minute. Now they come home and the Dolphins with Teddy B are laying three to three and a half, depending on where where you look. Bet MGM has it at three right now, especially now that I don't have to pay the hook on it. Give me the Dolphins all the way here. I'm a Jets fan. This is a Jets disappointment spot. Always bet against two good things happening to the Jets in a row. What do you think in this one, Ben?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I think, you know, Teddy's been a little bit of a, a cover machine, I would say, throughout his entire career. So I love backing him, uh, you know, especially, you know, on the road. I do think that it's not going to be as bad of a drop-off uh, from what the betting markets currently projected, going from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, I think a lot of the early season success uh, that Tua saw was kind of because you know Mike McDaniel was definitely pushing a lot of the right buttons. I do think you know with 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 the ten days of preparation, Teddy is going to be in a very similar spot to that. Uh, the the preseason number I want to say was at like. Uh, you know, plus three and a half, which is basically where we're at now. I think if you got, were on the look ahead line last week, that was all the way up to minus six and a half. So I do think, you know, moving from six and a half back all the way down uh, to where we were at in the preseason is a pretty drastic, uh, a pretty drastic over- over overemphasizing of you know both the Tua injury and what the New York Jets put forth last week so I'm with you I think you know anytime you can bet uh the second time for you know the Jets to potentially uh fumble the bag a little bit there like you mentioned uh, I do think is probably the correct bet so I'm on I'm on uh, I'm on Miami here and if I can get minus three uh all the better I would say for sure
0: I do also mm-hmm. like the over in this one. 46 points feels a little low to maybe as the Jets with Zach Wilson can actually kind of move the football. He yeah. His mobility disguises the fact that this offensive line is about one injury away from calling me up and asking me to play left tackle. <laughs> Matt, what do you think here? Uh,
2: I would I would like to – so I'll say I have this exactly at three. Uh, and, but I will say I know that what's going into my numbers here – might be wrong in that uh, my assumption, and this is where I could be very wrong. My assumption is that Tua is one and a half points better than Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't know if I actually believe that. Like I, and, and that's not to take anything away from Tua, who's looked really good this year. But you know, he's had the weapons around him. I think uh, Mike McDaniel has used him in a really intelligent way. And to Ben's point. With the Dolphins coming off of Thursday night football, they have extra time. And, you know, they've known this whole time that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the starter. And so what they have done for Tua, I think they can kind of adapt for Teddy. And so I feel I am probably discounting uh, too much with the drop from from Tua to Teddy. But, Ben, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about – how you how you see that gap exactly what you think that gap might be
1: yeah i it's a good question cuz i do think it it very much depends on where you have uh to a rated or whatever and i think uh you know from our perspective we have them right around you know 3 3 points basically if you were kind of looking at like a spread differential drop off but it but i also think teddy Bridgewater is probably The best backup quarterback in the NFL, if he's not, he's really close to it, uh, has been successful kind of stepping in to that role in previous situations. So I really, you know, uh, put it more closer to like, you know, a point and a half differential between those two guys. I think that is basically what you mentioned, but uh, moving between or, you know, dropping two, three, I think, uh, you know, has a much higher probability of even landing on that outcome. And I do think it's worth, you know, a lot more than, uh, you know, just saying like it's, you know, it's a point and a half differential between these yeah. two teams. So I think or between these two quarterbacks. So I, I think, you know, getting down to three is more than enough to kind of say Teddy can definitely handle this in this particular spot, I would
0: say. Take the Dolphins here. Just, just trust me on this. I've seen this movie way too many times. Take the Dolphins. That's my favorite play of the week, Matt. You're going with one that uh, there are so many different things that I'm thinking about in this game here. So I'm eager to hear your thoughts on Detroit versus new England. Is it going to be zappy hour again here? This Detroit defense is bad, but they are getting three points here in this spot this line's still, yep, three, three and a half, depending on where you look. Bet MGM three and a half. Are you going with Detroit in this one? Or are you going with the Patriots and their quarterback that yet to be named here?
2: Yeah, I'm going with uh, Detroit. And I mean, three and a half feels like such a, a great number to be able to get in this spot. Uh, you know, Dan, Dan Campbell, just perpetual underdog, 14 and six against the spread uh, as an underdog. And, and Road Dogs, off a loss since 2018 and i'll just say the reason why i'm picking 2018 is because that's when paspa was pulled back so i feel like that's when you started seeing just more more dumb money for lack of a better way of putting it entering the sports betting market so like what is the squarest thing that someone could do they could bet they could bet on someone at home they could bet on a favorite and like they could bet against uh, a team that was coming off of a loss. So if you look at road underdogs off of a loss, they're 179, 140 and 10 against the spread since 2018. And so like that's like that's a pretty large sample. And so that's something going towards the Lions in this and the spot in home favorites, uh, home favorites of no more uh, of a sp- with a spread of no more than minus three uh 421 471 and 50 against the spread so the like the bigger picture trends are kind of pointing in opposite directions for these two teams and pointing towards the lions and then you take into account the fact that we really don't know who is starting for the patriots in this spot i i do not think it is mac jones even though he has been practicing on a limited basis uh you know the severity of the injury that he suffered in week three, the reporting was that expectations were for him to be sidelined multiple weeks. I'm very skeptical he starts in this spot. So that goes to back up uh, Brian Hoyer, who was concussed. So maybe he's able to start, you know, quarterbacks a week is within the time frame of when it's realistic to think that a guy has a, a real chance to come back, but maybe not. You never know with concussions. Hoyer, I think, is as bad as he might be in reality he's still like an NFL veteran who knows the system zappy maybe i mean he feels like mike white except without like without like the the game of sexiness to make you think he actually might be something so i am very skeptical of whatever is happening with the quarterback situation for the patriots and then just big picture stepping away from that this Lions rush offense against the Patriots rush defense, I think is going to just destroy. Even, even though there's no you know number one running back, DeAndre Swift, I still think that they're going to run the ball really well. The Patriots uh, defense ranks number 31 in both rush DVOA and rush success rate. And you have center Frank Ragnow. He's dealing with a foot injury, but I'm not really worried about that. He didn't practice yesterday, but that's kind of keeping in pattern. Uh, with his practice habits from last week when he he played and wasn't at all on the injury board. So I'm not worried about him. Uh, you've got left guard Jonah Jackson, who's uh, dealing with a finger injury, but he returned to practice on Wednesday, which like is a positive development. So he's got a shot to play this week. And then on the other side, you have the Patriots. Last week, they were without defensive tackle uh, Lawrence Guy, who was dealing with a shoulder injury. He's one of their main interior run stoppers. Uh, he didn't practice at all last week. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So I'm kind of skeptical that he's playing. And in our Fantasy Pros unit power rankings, the Lions offensive line has a massive edge over the Patriots defensive line. We have them ranked number three. The Patriots defensive line at number 26. So significant edge. And I think with that, we're going to see the Lions just push the Patriots around uh, and control the ball with their grand, their ground attack. And I think that keeps this game close. Uh, this, this number was Lions plus one in the look ahead market. That's where I have it projected now. Maybe the market believes with the move from plus one to plus three, plus three and a half. Maybe the market believes that Mac Jones actually has a real shot to play this week. That, to me, is like the only explanation for why this line has moved to two and a half points in the past week. But I'm skeptical that Mac Jones plays. So I am very happy to be taking the three, three and a half currently out there. Um, I'm looking around right here
0: for some injury updates. Mac Jones was on the practice field listed as a limited participant. Um, Hoyer definitely still in concussion protocol. I think tomorrow will be the day where we really figure it out and see what's going to happen here. I am, of course, always looking to the over in a Lions game now because you combine their ability to play offense with their complete lack of ability to play defense. I mean, you turned a game with the Seattle Seahawks into a shootout. You're not stopping anybody right now. But Ben, what are you thinking on this one?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in agreement with Matt. I think you know the line movement specifically just like doesn't add up whatsoever right now. Both because you know it's very much in question whether Mac Jones is going to play, but also you know kind of what we just talked about with Tua and Teddy, right? Like the we don't from PFF's perspective, we don't really uh, you know think Mac Jones is all that much better than Brian Hoyer. So for him to be worth you know a full three points while also moving through you know the most important number that. Is there and betting on football, uh, and three actually, like it 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 just seems like a lot. Uh, the injury situation for Detroit specifically is, I would say, a little concern. It sounds like DeAndre Swift, like you said, on the questionable side of doubtful. Uh, if Amon Ross, say, Brown is back in, I think that's a pretty big boon, uh, to a Detroit passing offense that has been much better than expected. Uh, I I
0: will cut you off real quick. I don't think that he's playing
2: this week. Is he not playing today? Yeah, Yeah, I, I doubt he plays. Yeah. So
1: he's questionable, and then, yeah, Josh Reynolds I think is also up on the injury report. Uh, he's another guy that I think is also you know borderline what what's going to happen with him as well. So I'm, yeah. I I am concerned about Detroit, but I think the the weakness from Detroit's defense, especially, uh, is is it doesn't really play into the strengths of the Patriots' offense, especially with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. Right, like, he's not going to be able to you know beat. Even the worst coverage unit in the NFL deep downfield consistently, we might see one or two lucky plays, but I, I don't firmly really believe uh, in the Patriots pass catching unit uh, to kind of make those contested throws or contested catches downfield. So uh, I'm concerned about that uh, as well. So I think, you know, plus three and a half, even with, you know, Detroit skill position uh, injury situation, uh, I still think they're definitely the correct side here.
0: I'm just excited that for the first time since 200 BC, people might actually be afraid to play against the lions. So <laughs> it's a, it's a great time to be alive right now as we move on to our next game here, the Bengals and the Ravens in a showdown that at the preseason, we were definitely all circling the calendar for saying this was going to be a good game. And then the Bengals came out and didn't look so good through the first several weeks, but are they back on track now, Ben we're seeing them in this spot here. They are the Sunday night game and right now Bengals getting three on the road in this one, three and a half. If you can find it around town, bet MGM and points bet.
1: Yeah, I'm really, I'm willing to be wrong on this one, but uh, you know, from PFFs perspective, we still have the Bengals as uh, you know, a better team overall in our, in basically all of our power rankings metric, uh, better offense. I do think that, you know, the Mark Jackson obviously builds up the Ravens offense to a point where he is definitely like an MVP type candidate, but you know, outside of him and Mark Andrews, there's, There's definitely concerns, I would say, uh, for them actually being productive. Now, you know, the Bengals front four has been pretty good from a pressure situation. So I do think they're going to be at least somewhat successful if they can kind of hold their gaps in keeping uh, Lamar Jackson contained. And I do think that they have, you know, enough uh, going up against what I would consider to be one of the worst secondaries in the NFL right now in the Baltimore Ravens, really beat up. It seems like, you know, the week two game against Miami uh, kind of highlighted just how poor they're playing, especially on deep balls. I think that's, you know, the one real strength from Cincinnati that we haven't really seen carry forward into 2022 yet. So I think we're going to see a few big chunk plays. I think they're, you know, going to be right there at the end. Uh, so if I lose, you know, uh, if I lose because the Ravens score a touchdown, I think to win this game outright, uh, I'm definitely willing to take that because I think in the majority of situations, uh, this game is going to be settled by a field goal or less. So. Uh, Bengals plus three and a half Sunday night, I think is, you know, probably my favorite, uh, spread that you can bet in week five.
0: Matt, what are you thinking in this one?
2: Yeah, I, I like this. I, uh, I got it at at plus three and a half. Uh, definitely like it at three, uh, sorry, three and a half, much more than three because of of the key number there. I have it, uh, projected for 2.25. And so I, I think to be able to get it through the three and and you said that this was one of your favorite bets. I was going to ask, this is one that I am really eyeing for uh, different contests. you know, where you have to pick five uh, especially the contest that have locked it in at plus three and a half. I think there's, there's significant value there. And so this is one of the ones that I, I think I will probably have there. And uh, you know, you said earlier that uh PFF still with everything that you put into your, your power ratings, you guys still have Cincinnati a little bit ahead of Baltimore. I have them at exactly the same spot uh, in in my power ratings. So, yeah, I I do think that, uh, you know, yeah, sure, home field advantage, but you have two divisional rivals. Uh, I think that counts for something. I think it should make the spread tighter. And so, yeah, I think if you you can get this at three or above, you're getting pretty good value there because this, I don't think this should be a field goal. Guys, real quick, I want to talk to you about
0: Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. My friends and I changed over this year, and I absolutely love it. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in a football game or number of points in a basketball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Use the promo code Pros when you sign up for a Sleeper account today, and Sleeper will automatically credit your account $100 to get you started. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper.com for details. Now, how about this next game here? We got Carolina and San Francisco. Always a dicey proposition when you've got West going East and SF coming off of their big Monday night football win over the Rams minus six and a half over Baker and the Panthers here. I mean, on the one hand, it's Matt Rule and the Panthers. On the other hand, it's Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers as road favorites. Matt, where are you going here? because As much as I want to be against you on this one, I really don't think I can be.
2: I know I, I hate myself for for this. I mean, it, you know, I love to bet against Kyle Shahan anytime he's he's a favorite. It, it's one of it's one of the the joys in my life, but I don't want to do that with Baker Mayfield or with Matt Rule or with uh, their offensive coordinator uh, Ben McAdoo, for for that matter. Oh. None none of those three guys I I want to have any part of. But I I really do think that this is the uh, the right side here. Kyle Shanahan 16, 26, and one against the spread as a favorite. Uh, I mean, there's just there's something about the way that he calls games. He's great as an underdog, horrible as a favorite. I think he just gets a little too conservative with the play calling uh, when they are in certain game scripts, and that allows teams, uh, you know, pretty routinely to be able to get the spread. And for me. This comes down to the Panthers rush defense against the 49ers rush offense. You know, again, the Panthers, they're easy to make fun of because of everything they have going on with the coaching staff and on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, their defense is actually pretty good. They're, they're top 12 against both the pass and the run in EPA. Uh, their run defense especially, I think, should help them keep this contest close. The, the 49ers offense uh, is number six in rush rate. Like, they want to run the ball. Uh, their offense is heavily predicated on the running game but they haven't been able to do it that well uh, they've been no better than number 20 in any of the the key rushing efficiency metrics whether it's EPA success rate DVOA right they're just they're not running as well as they have previously and you know the 49ers running game it's especially hampered with their injuries they're without their number one running back they're without one of their key backup running backs and Tyrion Davis-Price. They're without, obviously, like their running quarterback in Trey Lance. They're also missing their starting left tackle, Trent Williams, who is easily the best offensive lineman that they have. And now they're probably going to be without backup left tackle, Colton McKivitts, uh, who seems very certain to be missing this game with a knee injury. So you put all that together, and the thing that the 49ers want to do the best I don't think they're really going to be able to do all that well in this game. Uh, This number was Panthers plus three in the look-ahead market just a week ago. Uh, Six, six and a half now. Like, I don't think enough has changed from then to now to justify the line movement that we've seen. So I hate myself for doing it, but I will be betting the Panthers at six and a half.
0: Ben, what are you thinking here? Because you got me convinced, Matt.
1: I mean, I I will say this. I do think the Panthers are the only correct side to bet on in this game. I just can't bring myself to do it. I think I've said, you know, are past. week zero, week one, that they are the worst team in the NFL. I think when you factor in, you know, the coaching situation, the quarterback situation, everything else, like they're just, they're a complete cluster. It seems like in so many situations on the flip side of that, like San Francisco has this weird, uh, like almost Kyle Shanahan type tax in the betting market, where it seems like they are kind of overvaluing him. Every single week, so I always find myself uh, on the other side of San Francisco when they're playing, and I think it's a similar, you know, mindset uh, with New England Patriots as well. I do think that you know for some reason the betting market does something with their coaching rankings or something else that kind of seems like those two teams are always overvalued compared to what I'm looking at. I'm not quite sure how they do that or or what they're exactly looking at, but uh, it's just a spot where I think they probably overvalue those two guys specifically. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find myself uh, against San Francisco. Again, like you said, I think the Trent Williams injury has kind of changed their offense, right? Forced George Kittle uh, to kind of stay in and at least chip, if not, you know, pass block to the point where they uh, aren't really getting him out in as many routes as he should be. So that kind of forces, you know, Devo Samuel to be a, a pretty big playmaker after the catch. And that worked out well in their Los Angeles Rams game. But I, I don't really think it's a sustainable, long term effective offense. So if I was betting a game, uh, or if I was betting the side on this. I would definitely be on the Panthers, but uh, I I just can't bring myself to be uh, on that side with Matt Rule anytime soon here. So I'm waiting for, you know, the the coaching firing uh, chair or something to happen before I can really get on board with Carolina uh, reviving anything for the 2022 season.
0: I'm sure there are plenty of Calcutta Carolina owners who are very much banking on just that to get that first coach fired bonus. But this next game that we have up here, the Cardinals going up against the Eagles. We got the Eagles laying five and a half right now on the road in Arizona against Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, Ben, I need you to tell me here. What is PFF seeing? Are the birds real?
1: I mean, I think the Eagles very much are for real. I think if you, are you know, trying to rank power powering teams right now, mainly based on 2022 performance, it's it's kind of the Bills, but even their injury situation, uh, I would say knocks them down a little bit. And then it's really the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, heading into the season, I would say you know two through 53 or whatever on Philadelphia side were probably the best that you could find. Right, offensive line best best in the NFL. Uh, you know, their secondary, I would say, it has played better than expected. I think Darius Slay has at points been, you know, a, a shutdown type quarterback at the NFL level. It seems like he is, you know, finally really doing that week in and week on. I think that helps them immensely. Uh, and then, of course, Jalen Hurts, right? He was probably the one question mark for Philadelphia. I would say no matter how high your expectations were in 2022, he's probably exceeded those already just based on the fact that he's doing it by delivering the football downfield, accurately to his playmakers and they're, you know, winning uh, at the top of routes. And I do think that, you know, there was probably a consideration that he could do it, rushing the football a lot, taking off on some of these, you know, broken down type plays. But the thing that's impressed me most is his ability and his willingness to continue looking downfield, even when he kind of breaks contained, breaks out of the pocket. And those have kind of been, you know, some of their biggest chunk plays of the season. So I think if that continues, you know, they're going to be a really hard out, but, uh, in, in saying all that I am, uh, on the Cardinals side, once again, I think they're a team that I've backed basically for the last three weeks. Uh, I don't really feel overly confident about, uh, that particular, you know, idea, but I think, you know, the Cardinals were kind of a team that was just, you know, much maligned I would say in the off season, the Kyler Murray situation, does he study plays Cliff Kingsbury? I think everyone, you know, uh, at, at this point is pretty wise to, you know, how, in some ways defective he is as a head coach but uh i still think that you know with where this where this number has moved home dog all things considered uh i would take cardinals plus five and a half and it is a spot that i'm betting uh and probably locking into some of those pick-up contests as well
0: matt what are you thinking here in this one are you going with the eagles or are you taking arizona we do have three more weeks before the new call of duty
2: I know it's, it's a great bird matchup that we have here. And this line has actually moved to, to five at uh, a couple of books. And so, you know, maybe there's still some lingering value there in in the five and a half that that we see, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's a disgusting slate for me, I think in general, and uh, I'm on a whole bunch of underdogs that I really don't want to be on, but you know, I'm just kind of betting the numbers here and I'm going with the Cardinals cliff Kingsbury uh, horrible as a head coach. Horrible is a favorite, uh, but pretty good as an underdog 29 and two against the spread as an underdog. And on the money line, uh, 16, 14 and one uh, as an underdog, which is good for a 43.6% return on investment like he's he has been good in this spot and you know, maybe it's not so much him. It's probably not so much him. It's probably just, hey, uh, Kyler, go do something. But I do think in this game, even though it's a it's a tough matchup, and I have been impressed by the Eagles' defense, their secondary in particular, but they haven't been that good on rush defense. And, you know, the Cardinals, again, something of a joke, their horizontal raid passing attack, but their running game has always been pretty good. I, you know, I think it's just something of a function of how they play their offense. They force defenses to spread out. And the Eagles defense, you know, even though they tried to make additions this offseason to bolster the run defense, you know, defensive tackle Jordan Davis through the draft, uh, they signed in free agency, Edge Hassan Redick, uh, linebacker Kazir White in free agency, they drafted linebacker Nekobe Dean, they've, they've made moves to try to improve against the run, it still hasn't done anything. Right. The Cardinals uh they have outperformed the Eagles defense in every key rushing efficiency metric. And you know, in none of these rushing efficiency metrics is the Eagles defense in the top 20. So if a home team can run the ball with success, it has a good chance to co- to cover, whether it's a favorite or an underdog. And in the offseason market, we talked about this on the Tuesday show with with Drew Densick. In the offseason market, this line was Cardinals minus two and a half. I mean, yes. They have underperformed expectations to open the year and the Eagles have outperformed, but not enough for this line to move eight points in just four games. So again, hate myself for doing it. I will be taking the Cardinals at plus five and a half. The last game that we have here on the slate
0: that we want to talk about right now, the autumn wind may be a pirate, but the Raiders head into Kansas city this weekend to seven point dogs in this one. And, oh, boy, it's Monday night football in Kansas City. You got the Chiefs buzzing on all cylinders right now. I don't know. On the one side, you have the fact that the Raiders do always like to play this team tough. And you do have the fact that we have plenty of times before seeing the Chiefs look absolutely invincible one week and then come out and lay an egg the next. But, Matt, where are you going in this one? Are you taking the Chiefs and laying the points or are you riding with the Raiders?
2: Yeah, I, I will be very uh, square, very fishy here. Just tell me it's Andy Reid playing a divisional opponent. Okay, I'm I'm going with the Chiefs. Or tell me it's Patrick Mahomes in prime time. Okay, I I, I will bet on that side. Andy Reid is 33-21 and one against the spread, uh, with the Chiefs against divisional opponents. Patrick Mahomes 14-9 and one against the spread, uh, in primetime. And for me, this really does come down to Patrick Mahomes going against a a Raiders pass defense. That I think is really bad. And for a, a team to cover a big spread, it needs to be able to move the ball through the air so they can score a lot of points quickly. And obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs can do that even without Tyree Kill. They're top eight in all the key passing efficiency metrics this year. And the Raiders' defense very much is not. This is uh, one of the the worst pass defense units in the league. Uh, in our Fantasy Pros unit power rankings. I see Mahomes is having a massive edge over the Raiders' defense and the secondary in particular. I personally think Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league, but as a staff, we have him ranked number two. Fine. He's top two. He's going against a defense that we have ranked number 25 and a secondary that we have ranked number 29. This is just a massive edge advantage that he has. And I think the Chiefs will be able to score at will. And I do not think that on the other side of this, the Raiders' offense will. Be able to keep up enough against a Chiefs defense that isn't great, but is good enough.
0: I'm curious here. When you say he's behind, uh, he's no the number two quarterback on your rankings. That's behind Bailey Zappi, right? Almost, almost, very close, very close. He's number three. All right, Ben, what are you thinking in this game?
1: What's yeah, going on I mean- underneath? I would say, you know, I'm pretty much with Matt, right? I think we don't really have a strong lean in one direction. Um, I don't think this is the right, you know, even close to the same Raiders team that beat, you know, the Chiefs outright basically, you know, was it last year, two years ago, and my years run together.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's, uh, but it's, you know, obviously things have turned over with the Raiders. I would say Josh McDaniels has been uh, very lackluster to start. It seems like they're just not, really utilizing Devontae Adams in a role that I would have even expected uh, to kind of start the season. So with that in in disarray a little bit, um, you know, I, I think this is probably closer to like an eight point differential based on PF's power rankings numbers only. So uh, if you pulled in, you know, a little bit of expectation for home field advantage as well, uh, you can easily see why the Chiefs might be the correct side in this particular matchup. But yeah, I, what it comes down to with me and the Chiefs is if I knew, When Andy Reid was motivated to call and like unveil his, you know, arsenal of creative plays and everything else, I would bet them every single week. The problem is, is sometimes he 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 seems to almost, you know, not really willing or not really wanting to show or put his best plays on tape. But I do think that, you know, in prime time uh, division rival, uh, a spot where they can, you know, kind of, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders for all intents and purposes and have no shot of wi- really winning or competing for a playoff spot, much less the AFC West crown. Uh, I think we're going to see probably the best version of the Kansas state chiefs for one more week. So they're the only side I would bet. I've not bet them yet, but uh, I think at minus seven or whatever, it's it, it's chiefs or busts in my opinion.
0: If I have to lay seven points with any team in the league, especially this week, and this slate has a lot of those options. It's gotta be the chiefs. I yeah. mean, Last week I was on the Raiders, but that was against Denver. This is a whole different story here. And we're talking about this chiefs team last year. They outscored the Raiders 89 to 23 in both of their matchups last season. Yeah. The Raiders almost got the best of them the year before winning one and losing one by four. But this is just, and I texted Matt right after the, right, right after the Raider game last week. And I just said chiefs by 40 this week, the, This team is, this is not going to be good for the Raiders in prime time. Now, guys, before we get you out of here, I want to ask the end of every show if you had to pick a team for your survivor pick this week. Chiefs do seem like an enticing option at home, but that is a divisional game. I was looking at Jacksonville against Houston, but Jacksonville has actually lost to Houston the last four times that they've played. But this is a very different Jags team here. Matt, what are you thinking? Would Jacksonville be your pick, or would you go somewhere else in Survivor?
2: Yeah, so I always forget that you're going to mention this, and so every time you start wrapping it's up in the, the rundown, show, yeah, I'm I'm sure it is in the rundown. Uh, you know, it would have to be something that I actually pay attention to. But yes, you are right; it is in the rundown. Uh, and so the team that immediately caught my eye was Jacksonville here, because uh, you probably haven't used them yet. I uh, I mean, you just you want to pick on Houston when you have the opportunity and some of these other teams, I think you probably want to save. Uh, So I think Jacksonville is a decent play here. That said, this is coming from a guy who died in survivor in week one. So don't listen to anything I have to say.
0: I have two picks and I use one to go with like a chalkier team where I'm using up all the good teams early and one where I've been taking a couple more risks this feels like a good spot for Jacksonville and the recipe when are you gonna use them again? But Ben, what do you think? Do you have an alternative for us or are you saying ride with the Jags?
1: I mean, I would say if you didn't use the Vikings last week, uh I I think this week is probably one of the best options to take them. I have I, I don't have their full schedule in front of me, but seven and a half point favorites at home. I know you're backing Kirk Cousins after, you know, the long travel and everything else, but uh i think they're a pretty good spot i don't know if you're going to feel you know any more comfortable uh picking them at any other point in time so uh, i would say the vikings might be an ulterior option if you don't want to you know use up one of the best teams in the nfl or the jacksonville jaguars at this stage
0: well there we go that's going to do it for us here today ben where can people find you and all the great your work, work you're doing around the internet and for pff
1: yeah definitely so uh pff does have a you know new mobile app that's still i think technically in beta or whatever you can download that if you're an iphone user within the continent or within the united states i shouldn't say continental united states uh so you can definitely check that out check me out at pff underscore ben brown uh on twitter i'm also uh somewhat infrequently on tiktok but trying to step my game up a little bit more so you can follow me on there as well uh same username and yeah you know i'd love to uh, you know, connect with some users there, or people that listen to this podcast, if they have any feedback specifically about, you know, PFF products or tools or anything you wanna see, uh, definitely hit me up in the DMs for sure.
0: Matt, that is gonna do it for us one more time here. Ben Brown at PFF underscore Ben. Ben Brown,
1: Ben Brown, ben Brown. There's way too many Bens out there for me to get the PFF underscore Ben uh, <laughs> moniker or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the last name on that one as well.
0: So. <laughs> And, of course, you can find Matt on Twitter at MattFTheOracle. Catch me at TV at work. And don't forget, head on over to Betting Pros today. at Betting Pros on any social media app that you want to find them. Actually, that's not true. They're Betting Pros NFL on everywhere but Twitter. But still, you know what I'm talking about here. Go to BettingPros.com chat. Sign up for the Discord today. And, guys, that's going to do it. Best of luck this weekend. And let's cash some tickets.